All right, Maloney and Foray down here live on Radio Row in L.A. By the way, our WEI Super Bowl coverage is presented by Zuni. You can build any app your company needs in a week. Visit Zuni.com for your free trial. That is Z-U-D-Y. Joining us now, joining the show out here, is Damian Woody, former center of the New England Patriots. Also played in Detroit and New York. We don't hold it against him. <laughs> but uh, it's good to see you, man. Thanks Same for joining here. us. Thanks for having me on. Uh, how bad was it in Detroit? Oh man! Kind of we don't, us, you know, pull the veil across a little bit. Let us see how bad it was. We don't have enough time. I can tell you that. Like, there were so many things, Christian. We didn't even practice like situational football. <laughs> like, there were so many things. The, the thing is, when you had really good coaching, bad coaching stands out. Even yeah, more. right. So I went from mountaintop yeah. to the valley low. Like that, that quickly. So it wasn't a team. We'll just get into the game a little bit here before we get going. But it wasn't exactly that team that Stafford left from. But what does it say? Like the guy leaves Detroit. We're wondering if he could ever win. He can't win big games, and now here he is in the Super Bowl. Well, it just goes to show you what coaching and culture can do for you, right? Yeah. So you know, out in you know out in Detroit, he's you know putting up big big numbers, but he's floundering. And then he goes out to Los Angeles with Sean McVay and all the players that they have over there, and. You know, you clearly see what the what the results are. You know, quarterback position is is the most um, needy position in in sports, in my opinion. You you so you rely on so many different people in order for you to have success. Just take a look at the Rams roster, yeah, and coaching staff. Do do you do you look at that that Rams team like some people like you know look at like NBA teams that, you know, that buy talent that, you know, get a bunch of guys to demand trades. The next thing you know, they create a super team. Do you look at them a little bit differently of how they achieve their Super Bowl, you know, uh, you know, chance this week, this week? Well, I think, you know, what the Rams did is they, they decided that there's more than one way to build a team, right? Most people would say you got to draft and you got to develop and all those type of things. Well, the Rams basically said, you know what? We're going to take our first round pick. And we're going to go and use it as a commodity to go get a proven veteran. We don't know what the we don't know what a rookie can do. You know the bus rate yeah. on these draft picks are, are you know like Pretty fifty fifty they're, they're high. So why not take that first round pick and go invest in a proven veteran that can help us win right now? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what the Rams are basically telling everyone else is. There's more than one way to, to build a build a roster. So I think a lot of people, we were just saying this poll back home in Boston, like 86% are rooting for the Bengals. And we are saying that I think because, like, the Patriot fans look at them and say they're closer to the Bengals than they are the Rams, right? And and then maybe they're not far away. I'm curious your thoughts on what you saw from that New England football team this year because it even though they made the playoffs, it still didn't look like we're used to. We know they're in somewhat of a transition, but your thoughts on that team? Yeah, listen, I, I think um, – I think down the stretch, they kind of, you know, they got exposed a little bit. Uh, like on the defensive side of the football, they weren't as stout as, as what they were, you know, earlier in the season. Um, offensively, you can see, I thought Mac Jones did a heck of a job. I mean, considering, you know, coming into the Patriots, being a rookie, everything that comes with that position, I thought he did a really good job. But ultimately, in this league, you're going to need, like, you need special players, guys that can – when it's all said and done, I can dial that number and they can make a play over your over your guy. Yeah. And I just feel like offensively the Patriots don't have that. Particularly on the on the perimeter. They need they need a difference maker on the perimeter. I think to take Mac Jones and that offense to another level. Yeah, and so so it's not necessarily that Mac can't do it. He just needs a complimentary piece. Yes. Right. Yes. He needs a you know, just like just like Joe Burrow has Jamar Chase. Yep. 
Mac Jones need a, a player, you know, comparable to that, I think that'll take the offense to another level. Well, I think they're in deep doo-doo then because I don't know. They've already kind of wasted that that premier, you know, perimeter player on Akil Harry. That didn't work out. That was a draft pick. He's got one year left. I don't think that's going to work out. So I think it may be more the, more the same when I think about it. You know, and I just, you know, listen, Christian, you know this. When it comes to coaches always used to preach, if you want to vie for a championship, everything starts within the division. Well, guess who's in the division? Buffalo. Mm. We saw Josh Allen. Josh Allen is special. Yeah. They got Stephon Diggs over there on the outside. He's a difference maker. So if you're New England – that's who you're looking at now. How do we beat those guys? What, what players do we need to take back the division from the Buffalo Bills? That's going to be a tall task. So let me ask you, is one of the questions people in New England have, like this year we're talking about that defense that you mentioned, felt like Steve Belichick, Gerard Mayo, Bill Belichick, Matt Patricia, there seemed to be you know like a lack of just maybe one voice. Now it looks like with Josh McDaniels leaving, they might be doing the same thing, bringing in a guy like Joe Judge. So – does that work? Have you been on teams? You were always with Scar, right? So you were always yeah. set. But no offensive coordinator or no one guy that you know is the guy. Is that a problem? I always say that you, you do need some, like, grown-ups in the room. It yeah. just seems like, it, you know, as it relates to the Patriots and their coaching staff, they got, like, a younger – like, Belichick is grooming a lot of young, you know, younger coaches and, and trying to bring them up in the system. But I think, along you know, along that same path, you do need some experienced coaches to help guide and, and, and maybe have another pair of eyes on the situation because there's been some things situationally this past year for the Patriots where you were kind of scratching your head like, that doesn't usually happen with you. We heard right? uncharacteristic mistakes a lot this year. Yeah, on team. every broadcast. And we yeah. said the same thing, a bunch of like young coaches like needing adults kind of in there, right? I mean, yeah. that helps. Yeah, absolutely. That's why I was referring to another, another set of eyes because – you know, when I was watching New England, and I'm just thinking, boy, that they never really did that type of, you know, that type of stuff in the past. Like, they would be more on point than what they were. I don't know if it's too attributed to, you know, roster turnover, you know, maybe some young players in different spots. But there were mistakes made that were head-scratching mistakes that you don't see out of a Bill Belichick coach team. Yeah, I, I got to, like, ask you a, a random question because I was just uh, thinking about your career because you played center, you played right guard, left guard. You played tackle, yes. right, with the Jets. Mm-hmm. Okay, and you played for three different teams, 12 years. What, f- uh, what four for New England? Five for New Five England. Five for New England, okay. Mm-hmm. On all your teams, how was the quarterback responsible for calling out the mic or were you responsible for calling out the mic? Who's in charge of calling the mic out to set protection? Um, usually it was a center. That was usually the case. Like usually it was center, but Tom would do it. Yeah, yeah, Tom would do it. You know, do it all the time. So I think it depends on who the quarterback was. If they can handle it, or if not. they can handle yeah. all of that. Yeah. But you know, you would usually tell quarterbacks, you better know how where you're protected <laughs> before you start thinking about routes and all that. Know where you're protected. That's where everything should start. Yeah, because I think that's one of the qualities that Mac has, that he's able to identify that. So picking up that Patriots offense and all the responsibilities that they gave you, like that was the first box everybody checked. Okay, can he do that? Yes. Okay. Now I think everybody is looking for those special plays. And, I mean, none of us can really 
point to one on top of our uh, the top of our head. Okay, this showed us that he can be a Joe Burrow. He can be a Justin Herbert. He can be a uh, you know uh, uh, you know um, you know one of the top quarterbacks in the league. Have you seen any of that? Listen, I don't know if he has any wild plays. Yeah, I, I just think that you know there's more than one way to win this league. You know, everyone's caught up with guys that can do things. With, you know. The, the, the big thing now everyone talks about is off-platform. You know, that's like the in vogue thing. You know, can the quarterback make plays off-platform, outside the pocket? There's been plenty of quarterbacks that stood right in the pocket and won, won championships. So I don't think Mac Jones has to be this special guy that has to do things outside the pocket. He has to have functional movement, but I think ultimately he has to know where to go with the ball and be accurate with the ball. If he can do that, I think he'll be fine. So I want to ask you about Tom Brady. I don't know how surprised you were that he retired, or or, or any thoughts that do you think he's do you think he's definitely done? Do you think there's a chance he could come back? I think he's done. Yeah, I think he's done. I, I think at the end of the day, for a guy to leave, I thought he should have won MVP this year. To be honest with you, for him to lead the game playing at that level, I think it's great. I think it's perfect. Because most people, most guys will play until the wheels fall off. Yeah. And their career kind of goes into down downturn. Tom, like, let walked off saying, you know what? I just dropped off like a a, a home run <laughs> at, the, at, the, at the bottom of the ninth on y'all. Yeah. And that's that's the way you're going to remember me. So, you know, obviously uh, Richard Seymour inducted to the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame. Big C. Yeah. How, uh, I mean, obviously you're a pretty damn good player in your own right. Um, but how many matchups during practice, you know, and with the Jets? How many? You just compare him to, I guess, I guess uh, your contemporaries, like his uh, his relevancy. Big C was was one of the, one of the most unique players I've ever come across, and I think Big C helped me become a better player because we would go at each other all the time yeah. in practice, always doing going up against each other one on ones and all those type of things. So he made me a better player. For a guy who's six six, three ten, can play every position on the defensive line, can rush the passer strong as an ox. I mean, there's just not many. You don't even see today many guys that look like Richard Seymour out there. So I wanted to ask you. Um, I know obviously that what's going on with Brian Flores. We talked to Mayo yesterday, who's early in this process, and said right now the Rooney Rule is getting him in the door. He's appreciative of. He's learning an awful lot, and even admit it's about generation. The young coaches, trying, you know, it's now getting started, and the older coaches who've been through the process dealing with that frustration. David, what can the league do to change the Rooney Rule, to or, or do something to it to actually, you know, see the results and the reasons why it was instituted in the first place? I don't know if the league can do anything because the league and Roger Goodell works at the pleasure of the owners. Remember that, you know, as much as Roger, Roger Goodell can go out there and pontificate and do all that type of stuff, but at the end of the day, he doesn't make decisions for the owners. They're going to ultimately make the decision of who they want to hire as a head coach. So, listen, I, I, um, I, I just feel like we got to keep harping on the process. Ultimately, it's up to the owners. It's not up to anyone else. It's not up to Roger. It's not up to me, you, or anybody it's literally up to the owners, and, and it's, as long as these guys just keep, keep keep giving these guys opportunities, putting them in front of the owners, and hopefully, as we move along, the numbers will, will you know will continue to rise. You know, last one for me, but is in regards to that, do you think that uh, Flores maybe regrets doing this during the the hiring process? No, I think he knew exactly what he was you know 
what he was about to encounter. I, I think that, you know, I've known Brian for, for, for quite some time. I think he's a man of conviction, and I think he said, you know what, I know what, what's at stake here. I know my career could be in jeopardy, but I'm going to go out there and put it, and put it out there anyway. See, my thing was the timing of it. Like, I was almost thought, like, if he waited it out, you know, maybe maybe he would have got that Houston job if he wanted it, right, or, or another job. And then you can come back and talk about how you didn't get one. But doing it in the middle of a process while you're still up for a couple jobs seemed like maybe bad advice from his lawyers, in my opinion. Just just make sure you don't get one of these things first. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. You know, I can't speak for him as far as did he – you know, did he really want a job? I mean, thinking about, okay, putting this out there, more than likely you're not going to get a job. So, what, what, you know, what was the what was the motive? Did, did he really want to be a head coach, or did he want to focus his energy more into, more into that lawsuit? Yeah. All right, well, listen, man, we appreciate you taking the time. Always oh, good to down with you. Oh, yeah, by the way, I want you to tell me about this, too. Halto, this campaign that you're on right now that you're down here for, Huddle Up, let's talk about obesity campaign, I believe. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's um, it's a campaign, you know, speaking to, you know, former players about yeah. obesity and, you know, myself included. I'm a guy that's, you know, throughout my whole life, man, I've always struggled with it. But it's just more about just, a, you know, not just focusing on, on your outward, uh, you know, um, um, looks and, and things, but just focusing on being at a you know good healthy weight, being mentally mentally fit, and I think uh, th- that's a conversation that we're having with former players. Well, I think it's great. I know Fourier could use some of that too. By <laughs> the way. Maybe you can help him out. You get in that maybe, campaign. Maybe. <laughs> no, it's just, I can't shed it anymore. <laughs> well, maybe, thanks for coming Woody. by. Man. Uh, thanks really for having me on, it. man. Right, I appreciate it, guys. You. Appreciate right. it. That's Damian Woody here joining us here on Radio Row.